Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2, only on Hulu, Friday. Look at us, all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots! 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 This Friday. He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Vacation Friends 2, rated R, streaming only on Hulu, Friday. All right, it's been a little while since we last gave you a podcast, but Bri, back from Summer League, back from Vegas, and we'll talk Summer League, we'll talk Warrior Summer League. We'll also talk about who Brian thought were three standouts uh, in Summer League. And uh, overall, I guess my first question is, will you do Summer League again? Like, did you like that experience? I would do it every year, twice a year, three times a year if it was in anywhere else but Vegas. <laughs> like, I just, it just wasn't my scene. I'm, I think I'm, I think after just doing the U of A, like, hard party culture for four years straight and then now that i'm doing like the opposite of that in san francisco i kind of prefer the opposite who knows maybe i'll start liking vegas at some point but it was too hot again went to arizona in college so super hot now i'm in sf super cold i enjoy and i probably prefer the sf weather um but no i love grew up in gilroy and summers are like 105 in gilroy yeah yeah and and so i think you know i I loved the experience of just watching basketball for eight hours. We did that at the California classic. We haven't Mm -hmm. done a podcast about that. So maybe we'll just loop that in here, but we did that. And I think we did like a, like a three fourths version of summer league. It was like three games opposed to like summer league. I think has like four to five set up per day uh, per court. So yeah, I think ours, like I had so much fun at the California classic. So I just knew I was going to love summer league and yeah, I just love watching basketball for eight hours. I loved being in that scene, you know, seeing just players and, seeing the journalists who I read, seeing the TV people who I watch, just all in one little area. Um, and I just get to walk around and be an observer. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was a lot of fun. I'll probably go again, even if it's in Vegas, but I would go like five times a year if it was in anywhere else. Yeah, I, mean, I think our goal is to do the California Classic as, as much as we can. Because and- it's convenient. Exactly. Yeah, I'll do the California Classic every single year. I'll put that in paper with my signature with pen. Well, we'll see because... I think oh, unless it's in LA. <laughs> well, yeah, if it's in LA, then that's different though. Yeah. The last two years were Bay area and Sacramento. And I think the year before the Bay area one, wasn't it also, wasn't it in Sacramento before that? 
Oh man, I I did see the flyer for it, but I can't remember where it was. So maybe they'll just keep it in in Northern California, and and we can just keep going. Yeah, but that was fun. We we went to and, and the Sacramento, the Golden One, is such fantastic. So uh, cool. It's a it, it's a great building. And what do you remember? What that area was called that we were just hanging out? I don't. I that forgot was cool, what it was though. called. Yummy food. Yeah, they had they have a night they have shops there and it's way different from when I went the first time which I think I went with your with your brother like the first season that the arena was open so mm-hmm. uh but yeah that that fit and and you know I'm sure Thrive City I'm sure they're going to be building out more things in Thrive City to try and make it a little bit more like that cuz I think if they do then you know Thrive City all of a sudden just becomes a really really fun place to not only just go watch basketball or concerts or whatever but just to hang out like that's what yeah. i got from set that that place was in sacramento it's just fun to hang out and and uh see you know see the different places and the different restaurants and and everything so uh when we obviously Wembenyama was the big ticket as far as why there was so much hype for this summer league he played in two games the first game was the highly touted uh, the ESPN game. And he didn't play terribly well. He shot actually pretty poorly. But then in the second game, he actually played very well. Did you Were you only at the first game or were you also at the second game? I went to both, but I only caught like half of the second game. I forgot where I was, but I totally went and like did something else because after the first Wemby game, I think I stayed for about three-fourths of the first Wemby game. And then the ringer was doing their little like setup thing during the fourth quarter. So Ben texted me and I went over and hung out over there, missed the rest of the game. Cause I was like, this is boring. And then for the next Wimby game, I think I was just, I was just like, so in the, okay, quick, quick little summer league tidbit here. There's two courts. There's the main court at the Thomas and Mack center. And then connected to it is almost like the UNLV's practice gym. It's mm-hmm. called the Cox pavilion, I think. Yeah. And so you get to like freely move between gyms and for the Wemby game, people were, camping camping up like camping in front of the arena like we had a we had a guy who we knew went there at like 7 a.m wow and i know and so um there were there were people like car my buddy brandon and my buddy adrian were telling me about their summer league experiences because they've gone for like the past five years and they were just basically saying how cool it was to just always kind of be moving between courts mm-hmm. but for the wemby day you couldn't do that in fear of losing a good seat to see wemby people were ready to go at 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. when the first game tipped and didn't move out of that seat because they wanted a good seat for when Wemby came. And so that was kind of like a downside of like, you know, we the the the, the plus side of, of, of going to summer league is to freely move between courts, go watch different teams, go see different people. Um, but for the Wemby day, like you had to sit at one seat. So what we did, we had five or six of us and we just like same seats. Yeah. Uh, so people at a time at a pair can go to the other gym. So I took advantage of that. But um, that was a little that was a little I'm a, I'm hoping that's only a Wemby thing because just looking at next year's class, all the the big name is only Bronny James, and he is like twentieth best player in the class. Um, I wonder if it was like that for Zion. I, I'm I think I heard from my friends that Zion was the biggest one they've been to, um, and then it was this one. Or the, I don't know. It, those were the top two though. Mm-hmm. These two in terms of being packed. Um, but yeah, we don't have a Zion like prospect or a Wemby like prospect until like 2026. So we're fine. So you got to see him. I mean, was it cool watching him play? I mean, he's, he's yeah, it was awesome. It just felt like it was like a different aura. Like it was like 
he peeked his head out out of the tunnel and people went crazy. <laughs> like I videoed it and put it on my Twitter. I wanted to be the first one to upload the Wimby clip of him being in an arena. Like it was just anything he would do would, would everyone was watching all eyes were on him. So, um, but watching him, like, I don't take too much at a summer league. I feel like everyone says it, but you really can't take, um, you can't use stats to back. I don't think you could use stats to back anything good or bad for summer league. I think it's, it's just a completely different, you just can't do it. But with Wemby, like you just see it, even with the first bad game, I watched the first bad game and I was just like, I don't care. Like he's going to be awesome. Um, all that matters for him is if he just develops like efficient shot creation. And he's like one of the best players in the past, like two decades, or maybe of all time at some point, maybe top 10 of all time, if he's able to just kind of develop shot creation. Cause Draymond said it on the PG pod, I think is just at the very least, he's going to be an awesome rim protector. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but the, the, what makes him so impressive is the way he moves at his, at his height. He moves like a wing. Um, and he's able to dribble like a wing and he's just able to do all these things that people a foot shorter than him can do. Um, and, and, you know, first game was disappointing. I think people were a little over it. I was definitely over it. I was just, I was just like, I felt free by the third or fourth quarter. I was like, okay, we don't have to care about this anymore. I could leave my seat and I don't care that it's going to get taken. Mm -hmm. Um, but no, it was, it was pretty cool to watch him. And the second game was where you started to see like, okay, people were, ridiculously overreacting for the first game i literally so i went and hung out at the ringer station and there was the nba people that were walking around and filming spurs fans on like what'd you think of the first Wemby game and i tapped the guy on the back i was like hey if you need a good interview like i'll be um i'll be a good interview if you need one and he was like okay okay here we go you have to pretend to be a spurs fan and so he asked me a question he was like what'd you think about Wembenyama?" I gave him like three minutes of just like <laughs> me just talking about it, like watching him and his ex- how he's been and and you know don't get over don't overreact and he's going to be playing basketball all summer because at at the time I think he was supposed to play FIBA and now he's maybe not playing FIBA and the guy at the end was like dude like this was supposed to be like me asking you questions and you were going to give me answers but you just did it all so I didn't even <laughs> need to do that and he said it would be on the NBA app at some point I've been period- periodically checking like once every like week or so just to see did you, did you use your on. name um I don't I didn't I didn't I don't know if I said my name's Brian or if I'm a, I, I know I didn't say anything about the Bampod. I, I didn't do any free promo I, I wanted it to get used I'll like quote tweet it or something and say like hey that's me if if, if it gets <laughs> uploaded but no it was just like three minutes of straight just like Wimbenyama uh, talk <laughs> from me so we'll see when I was watching that game, the only thing that I kept cringing on was anything out on the perimeter. Cause I was just like, okay, this guy steps on somebody's foot. If this guy gets kicked it, cause you know, there was a lot of that we, we saw in some of the games and it, and you know, I was catching some of the Warriors summer league stuff, but there's a lot of stuff in the corner because there's not a whole lot of room. So there's a lot of like kicking, kicking legs in the corner and stepping on ankles and, whether or not that was a flagrant foul and this and that. And I'm just worried about him because he, his legs are so dang skinny and so dang long that you kind of worry about if he's going to be out on the perimeter, you know, guards have to worry about stepping on ankles and tripping over feet and, uh, and getting kicked and stuff. And you don't have really have to worry about centers in that aspect, but he will, if he's going to going to be this multifaceted player, that is an injury concern. And, uh, I know that they've been talking about his training and stuff and how he's building his lower body to, to, to be able to withstand a lot of that stuff. But still that was like in the back of my mind, I was like, Oh no, don't jump out on that three, you know, cause that he, he could be a target in that instance is one, you know, one way to take him away and take him out of the paint. You just 
play, you know, the same lineup that the OKC was playing last year and you kind of force him out on the perimeter and, and you probably take him away from what he does best. So that, that'll be interesting how, how teams attack him because if they just attack him and they just try to dunk on him, uh, I, you know, I, they're going to be in for some trouble. Yeah. I think it's going to be bad times. I think I, yeah. And I think, cause that's that you literally just described the formula that the Los Angeles Clippers used to beat the Utah jazz in 2021. When Rudy Gobert was on the court, they just did five out and they put Terrence Mann on the left corner. That's who Rudy was guarding. So he'd have to come in every time that they got by the, the, the point of attack defender, Rudy would come in, sink in to help and defend the rim. They kick it to Terrence Mann, who just had an out of body experience in like <laughs> game, whatever it was. He had like 30 something or 40 something. Um, but yeah, no, that I, I feel like, yeah, no, that's that's really how you do it. So we'll 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 see. I mean, and I use Oklahoma City, but the Warriors could do the same thing, right? They you just have yeah, well, Draymond yeah. play center, and, yeah. and and you do. But you know, Draymond is not actually the the best shooter, so maybe it wouldn't be a, the Warriors wouldn't be playing like your typical five out. It would yeah. be like the highest pick and roll with Draymond, yeah. and then everyone yeah. else is five out. Totally. All right, so we're gonna go through. Um, before we go through your your faves here, I wanted to ask you about this guy. Because we we got to see him in Sacramento, uh, Brandon Pajemski, and you could tell he was a little nervous. Of course, he was nervous his first time on the court, and you could tell that he had some some real nice basketball savviness to his game. Really good passer, uh, you know, really good at sort of feeling offensively where things were. And he, you know, he's got an eye for the basketball. But there were some things, and and you know, we sat. I think we're in the second row. So we're like right there. We're, we're as close to the court uh, as I think I've ever been watching a, a pro game before. He's not fast. You could not definitely athletic. see a lack of athleticism with him. And, you know, not to say that it, that Steph is, is this like fantastic athlete, but I clearly remember in summer league with Steph, they were kind of doing the same thing with him is that they were kind of exposing his lack of athleticism. And I think Steph is, uh, you know, rookie Steph is, is more athletic than rookie Pajemski. So that's, I think that's a concern. And my other concern with him is uh, shot creation because he's just so small compared to some of the defenders out there. And so there are some nice things. Like I think he'll be able to hit some open, open jumpers, He'll be able to play some some point guard and lineups uh, that are are fast and, and that could kind of you know maybe account for his lack of uh, athletic ability and maybe he gets some nice assists and nice pass. But you know the the funny the funny thing that I've that I've seen and I think it was uh, my friend Sheed from Warriors World. He what did he call him? Uh, did he call him brown hair Nico Mannion or something like that? <laughs> I, ca- I called him. I called him evil Nico Mannion. <laughs> and that might and, have been, I might have gotten that from Sheed. I don't remember. And, and look, Nico Mannion was a was a top player coming out of high school too, right? Like he's a fantastic uh, high school player. Yeah, but more round. high, more highly, more highly uh, touted out of high school than Pajemski was. But yeah. You know, very clearly, even even in the the U of A days, you could sort of see what what he lacked. Yeah, and Pajemski makes up for it because he's just plays so damn hard, and he crashes yeah. the boards, and he's you know nose to the grindstone kind of player. But yeah, I I don't know. What were your first your your first thoughts on watching Pajemski play? 
Um, I, you know, when I say like, don't use summer league stats as like a reason to like judge a player, be in on a player, be out on a player. And I think I learned that just from watching the California classic and the summer league this year, like I've always been told that, but now I kind of understand it. And in summer league, you need a point guard who's going to set up your guys. And if you don't have one, then your team looks like the Charlotte Hornets. Just you have Nick Smith Jr. And you have, who's the other guy, James Booknight, who are your one and two guard, who are just out there to create shots from themselves. And when you do that, then you can't get like the prospects who are, you want to watch, you can't really get them involved. And it's just messy basketball. And, you know, although Pajemski had a pretty rough statistical output in, in both the Cali Classic and the Summer League, I feel like watching him take that role of being like, okay, there's no point guard. I guess that's what I'm going to have to do taking that responsibility, I was mildly impressed by, but I was pretty impressed by that. I didn't think he can be the point guard. I didn't think he could be the distributor um, that I, I definitely was able to see in those couple games. So, you know, I know a lot of people are, are probably low on him from the stats that he put out, but I, Marcus Thompson said this on plus minus two, that he was even more, you know, he was, he didn't like the pick to begin with, but after seeing him play, he was intrigued. It's because this guy just looks like he'll, I think what we saw from Przemski is that he's going to fit into the Warriors system. Um, with his passing ability and his shooting ability, I just thought, and I th- and what we got to see, which is so cool about being courtside, is that you get to hear the player conversations or you mm-hmm. get to hear the players talk. And he was so vocal on defense, especially to end that game. Very yeah. shy in the beginning, but to end that game, it was a close game and they were pressing and he was telling people where to be defensively. And I was just very like, I was like, okay, you know, he's like the most vocal on the court. This is his first NBA game. You got Guy Santos over there and you got <laughs> Lester over there and Lester's just beating him. Like Lester's just getting in his own head sometimes. He's just getting angry. It's <laughs> just getting mad. He's just getting mad. <laughs> and Guy Santos is like, still only has like half of the English language down. And so uh, I, I thought Pajemski, you know, being his first game was, I, I was, I was very impressed um, just by like, literally like everything but the stats. And I know that's just kind of like, okay, you're just cherry picking the good things and not saying anything bad about him. I agree. Speed, athleticism, like, yeah, that's, that's a, that's going to be a question mark. But I think from, I think I've said this a couple of times, but the Warriors weren't going to draft another teenager. They weren't going to take a chance on another, you know, Cam Whitmore was available. That's who a lot of people are pointing at at this moment of like the Warriors should have taken him. And I keep pushing back and I understood why they skipped on him the first time is that he was falling, you know, all these teams were passing on him medicals and his college coach didn't have anything good to say about him. So he was falling. And for the Warriors, were you going to take another Jonathan Kaminga and James Wiseman, just a super athlete who might need a lot of time to develop. They couldn't just risk that again. So I think Pajemski was the pick. He was, he was kind of the middle pick like Jaime Hawkins jr. Who we get to watch, who we got to watch, who we were really impressed by. Yeah. He's like the, you draft the old guy and he's going to be good from the go, but he doesn't have that high of a ceiling. That's the Jaime Hawkins pick. That's the Jordan Walsh pick for Boston. The opposite is when the Warriors went Kaminga and Wiseman, they just went, they let Lake up influence their decisions and went super athletic, super uh, raw. That's the Cam Whitmore pick. I feel like the, be the the middle of both of those picks, ironically, is the Brandon Pajemski pick. He has a little bit of a higher ceiling, and he's a little raw, but he can provide stuff right now. And I'm I'm I'm, you know, I think I think we'll see uh, if he if he doesn't play if he doesn't get into the Warriors rotation. I think that's an L. I think that's a bad pick. Then I think they're going to give him a chance. Kerr loves guys like him. Kerr's like that was me 
in 19, you know, 92. And, uh, but he also knows, he also knows what he did, who, who Kerr wasn't. And I just want, like, can you keep him on the court if he's not, if he can't stay in front of guys? I think that's going to be the key. And we'll see, we'll see how much uh, patience Kerr has. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. All right. Yeah. We're going to, we'll come back and we'll talk more Warrior stuff uh, after, but I wanted to uh, go over some of your faves that you got to see in Summer League. So this guy only played one game. He only played one half. One half. Were you so, there? Yeah. I was there. I, okay. I was there. I couldn't miss it. Um, I think with, with, so Scoot, I'm only, by the way. Scoot Henderson. I'm only making my picks based on the games I was there for. So mm-hmm. I know Cam Whitmore was like the summer league MVP, but I only yeah. watched like two games of his and they weren't like anything too crazy. Um, but Scoot Henderson, man, this is why I said you couldn't pass on him and draft Brandon Miller. Like we knew Brandon Miller was going to be good. We got, we got to tough, see a full game of Brandon Miller, even though he had a tough summer league outing with uh, in the California classic. Like you thought he was good, right? Like I thought he was great. I thought he showed, I he's, thought he could be really good. He's, he's a, He's his body is and the way he moves is a basketball player through mm-hmm. and through. There's some stuff that who I don't know his story that well, except for the negative things that that we heard. But there was a little bit of like he he had an opportunity because his team was terrible, terrible. But he had a couple of vets, you know, like book night and, and stuff who've been there before and this is like their second year so he probably felt like, like third or fourth year yeah he probably felt like he couldn't override them in the same way that pajemski w- was trying to so he was very very unsure passive. and passive and not taking certain shots when i thought that he could have just tried to dominate the other guys because he's so much of a better athlete but um, and yeah, that's that, why that stuff was a little shaky and that's why <laughs> that that was my reasoning for taking Scoot is that I thought they were I thought Scoot was the better talent. But Brandon Miller, like, was surely going to be like this all star caliber player. Like, you still can't convince me that he's not going to be like an all star or damn near an all star with Scoot. I was like, this guy has all NBA potential. 
it's and it there's like this factor that you know not i feel like not many draft analysts are or maybe they are but just the general public isn't really like accounting for it because it's not like a statistical number that you could see it's that dog man it's brandon miller who played passive he didn't want to step on the toes of kai jones and, and book Knight and, and nick smith who's his year scoot said give me the damn ball and get out of the way <laughs> i don't know if you got to see some of the clips but no, he, i didn't see anything so he gets the ball. I have a clip actually that I put on uh, that video that I sent you, but it doesn't oh, okay. have the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. entirety of the clip. But Amen Thompson is the fourth pick in this draft. Mm-hmm. Amen Thompson is projected to be, you know, one of he's like the best athlete going into the NBA. Like right now, he's like the best athlete. Maybe like him and Shaden Sharp are like the best athletes in terms of percentile. So Amen's projected to be a pretty solid defender, a pretty good point of attack defender. Scoot said, give me the ball, get out of the damn way. I'm going at this guy every single time. <laughs> and he went at him and he did that little step back move that I have in the video, shoots over him. And what I think is underlooked about that play that I don't have in the video that you haven't actually seen the full clip, right after he makes it, <laughs> he goes and runs up to Amen and just starts defending him full court. And I was just like, this guy, like, this guy has something to prove. I think it's a good thing for the Portland Trailblazers that not only that he went to the Trailblazers, but that he fell below Miller because that's just going to be like a uh, he's going to want to kill Miller he's going to want to kill Miller every time he's going to want to kill everyone every single time because you passed on me even though it was just one pick like Whitmore has like a whole list of names but I feel like we saw him go at Wimby last year and that's that's my point like Wimby's supposed to be the number one pick how will you respond how will you go at this guy and he's supposed he's for sure going to get pick number one there's nothing you could do about it but how are you going to play against this guy and he said I'm going at him every single time and I was just there's that there's just that dog in Scoot Henderson that I feel like he's just gonna like I feel like he's gonna hit his ceiling. And I I am I mean, I know you can't take anything out of summer league, and I didn't even I didn't even tell you the stats exactly. Wanna know what he did in 21 minutes of play? 15 points, five rebounds, six assists, one steal. What was the shooting? Five of thirteen, so really actually not that efficient, but Again, I'm trying not to use statistics to prove my summer league points. I'm literally just like, this guy was a dog. This guy had it in him. This guy is going to be someone who's first in the gym, last out. He what was his Ahmed injury? Thompson every single time. Shoulder, I believe. Ooh, that's a weird um, one. Yeah. Amen Thompson was going to be in my honorable honorable mentions for this because he was a little shaky to start out. I think he was a little like, whoa, this guy's going at me every single time and needed a little bit to adjust. But once he adjusted, he was awesome. And he went down with an injury that game too. This game... Houston versus Tra- uh, Portland. If there's one game that I would say to watch for the entire summer league, it was this one. It was the most exciting one. It ended with a buzzer beater from Jabari Smith Jr. Um, a lot of high high picks. Uh, Ryan Rupert, Chris Murray, and Scoot all on Portland. And then they had Shaden Sharp second year. And then on Houston, they had second year Tari Eason, Jabari Smith Jr., high tatted prospects in the year before. And then they had Thompson and Whitmore. So they were both teams were super excited to watch. And your favorite player uh, in summer league was on Houston. Which wait, which one? Your favorite player, man. Your no, favorite I, I summer changed, league player. I changed my player. Oh, who was it? Uh, oh, you, who did you change it to? You you think it's uh you you're saying Jay Huff? Jay Huff, yeah. Uh, no, I changed it to uh, Dom Barlow. Oh yeah 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 okay okay <laughs> so your former favorite summer league player is also on one of these teams. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, if you have one game to watch, if you're like I want to watch one game from summer league, I haven't seen anything. Watch that game. All right, speaking of uh, Jabari Smith Jr., he led all of Summer League in scoring with like 35 points a game. He's like the Kobe of Summer League. I don't know how many games he played, though. Um, I forget if he played two games. I know for sure he played one game. Um, so let me go. Maybe it was just that one that, that so you... So he had 33 you, oh. in his first game. How many points did you say? Uh, two games, 35 oh, okay. and a half. 
Wow. So he must have averaged. He got. He could probably got thirty-seven the next game. Um, at the half, my friends were asking me like we were watching this game. They they were like, "Who do you think is the best one is?" And who do you think the best player right now is on the court? And I was like, it's got to be Jabari Smith Jr. Like, there's no way it isn't. And after the first half, they were looking back at me. Well, he had four points on like three of 13 <laughs> shooting. And, the, and I was like, wow, I'm going to really look bad here. The second half, he went off. Like he, I don't know how many points it was total in the second half, but like, I, I hate to use the comp, but it was very kd-esque in the way he was getting his buckets it mm. was essentially like you are smaller than me and i'm going to jump up as high as i can and once i do that i do not see you even though you're contesting me and i'm just going to get wide open jumpers like it was just easy movements it wasn't even anything crazy he didn't have to break his defender down with the dribble it was just one dribble pull up um back you down quick fade away uh just catch and shoot like that's how he's going to be in his game he's not and now i don't want to put a ceiling on him because you know i i, I compared him to and Mikel Bridges, when he was entering the draft, and Mikel Bridges was not what he is now, mm-hmm. which is a guy who's able to get his own bucket. But I was like, at the very least, he's going to be able to play defense. He's going to be able to shoot a three. Like he's like the big version of Mikel Bridges because Mikel can guard like one through three really nicely. Jabari's like a, probably a three through five, guarding him, guarding wise. And Mikel is obviously taking a leap, and he looks like he could be like this all-star caliber player. I don't want to put that ceiling on Jabari because it feels like he might be able to do the same damn thing. Mm-hmm. What I watched in that summer league, like all he needs to do is, you know, develop some more shot creation or really just say like, I'm taller than everyone. And I'm going to shoot wide open right over you every single time. And I'm going to average 25 to 27 a game. Um, I, I, at the very least, like though, I think he's going to be uh, like a really great three and D player, but no, he went off and he was super exciting to watch. And I expect a, a big year two from him because he didn't really have playmakers last year to set him up. And now he's going to have, even though Van Vliet's not this like crazy playmaker, but they also have Amen Thompson. So they actually have like some guards to to get him the ball. Um, and Shen Goon's an awesome playmaker too. So I, I expect a pretty solid year two from Jabari because I feel like he had a pretty underwhelming year one up until the very end. But no, if this guy's going to score the basket, not even score, but just get the looks he got in Summer League. Um, and he's not going to get the identical same looks like in a second year. Like that's NBA defense is like 20 times better than Summer League defense. But... Uh, I, th- I think that he's going to have a good year too. Um, I mean, you know, he he should he was a, a top three pick last year. A lot of people thought maybe he was going to go number one. He he should have really dominated summer league. So I was glad. Yeah, to see. I was glad. It was kind of like it was kind of like how Chris or uh, Keegan did it. We were watching and we we're like, Keegan's way too good. <laughs> yeah, he's Keegan too is good for way it. too good to be in summer league right now. It, that that's how it felt with Jabari once it was all over. He hit the buzzer beater too. Then it was and, and I we, and yeah. we were in Sacramento. We were in Sac Town. So being Warriors fans was, was not a good place to be in that building <laughs> for summer league. Like the Warriors run out of the tunnel or they're they're in their little layup line and they get booed out of the building. And then every time Keegan touched the ball, like you just feel the sack fans were just so excited and so happy. And he's such a good player. Gosh, like so he's, good. you know, we talk about athleticism, like he's not even terribly athletic, but his body is just built for the NBA. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. I definitely put like a ceiling on him that I think he, he hasn't broken that ceiling yet, but like how he's been, how he played in the summer league, just like he was like a shot creator. He was getting his own bucket every single time. Like I wasn't expecting him to be that. And in the NBA, we'll see if he's that, but if he is that like, yeah, he's, he's broken through whatever ceiling I put on him. Yeah, it was, it was great. It was it was really cool to see because he was the he was the best player by far that we saw. I think, I think, I think even just looking at everybody I watched in summer league, 
him and Jabari were probably just like the best players. All right, your third here. You, you mentioned the brother, but what about Asar? So Asar, um, I wanted to mention one of the Thompson twins, but I didn't want all three of my picks to be from the same game I watched. <laughs> so I went with Asar. I questioned the Detroit pick when they grabbed him because they already had Cade and Jaden Ivey, and I was interested in where he'd slot in. Um, he, he, he slots into the three at the moment, but I think my issue with this Detroit team is that you know, Cade hasn't really shot the best in his career. I think Detroit still believes that he's going to develop this awesome three-point shot. Jaden Ivey is not known to shoot three ball. Osar Thompson is not known to shoot three ball. Um, whoever they're for is, whether it's Boyan Bogdanovich, awesome three-point shooter, or they go Isaiah Stewart, not great three-point shooter. And then you have Jalen Duran, not great three-point shooter. So they watched the evolution of today's basketball, and they saw Stephen Curry, and they saw all the people who came after them, and they said, we want to do that, but the opposite. <laughs> we don't want to shoot the three ball. Um, and so... That's why I kind of questioned the Osar pick, but I was talking to NBA University and he and he reminded me, he was like, he's like, you know, you can't like you can't draft based on fit if you don't know how you if you don't know the guys you already have, what they're gonna be. Like I kind of slotted Jaden Ivey in as like the guard of the future for Detroit, but like what if he's not? You know, I you can't I can't sit here and say that Jaden Ivey's gonna be an all NBA player. Like, it may they may have to end up trading one of those three guys. I think it's gonna be Jaden. <laughs> so after watching some some Asar play basketball, Asar Thompson is an insane defender. Like he is so athletic like his brother, but he like moves better on defense and he just like locked up Grady Dick on a play, kicks it to Marcus Sasser, the point guard, who jumps in the air and lobs it in the air back to Asar, who then it's just so much it's just such an athletic feat of athleticism to watch from him. Um, but yeah, awesome point of attack defender, awesome athlete, someone who's going to dunk the ball really well and an awesome passer. I used one of his clips in my video that I posted to Twitter about my summer league experience. And it was just a lot of like, you know, what you learn as a kid is like, don't do jump passes. But like when you have that athleticism, you could just float in the air and just like make an easy pass. Like that's what the Thompson twins are going to do. They're going to do a lot of jump passes and I can't say it's bad. Like it's going to be good. Um, so what I'm, I'm high on Osar. Um, Oh, did you did you get to uh, meet up with NBA University? He didn't go through. He didn't come through. He had something that came up, um, but I think he's going to go next year. I got to meet up with some people that I've done podcasts with, though. Without oh, that's that was cool. cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I, got, I, I met Barlow, Raphael. Oh, you did? I did. He was cool. No, that's good. Yeah, he was right in heaven. Yeah, no, this is everything that he does is just right all here for. And him. then I saw some of the Ringer guys. I saw Big Waz. I saw. Oh, I met I met Sam from Light Years. I told him. Oh, you did. Fun. I did. Yeah. Um, I was going back to hang out with Ben. So essentially I was with Ben and Ben was like, yeah, um, Sam's coming through. And I was like, Oh, I've never met the guy. I would love to meet him. I'm going to wait here for Sam. Sam never showed up. I did my <laughs> MBA, my MBA, uh, interview. And I was like, Ben, I'm, I'm going to dip. Great to see you, man. So I dipped. And then after the game, I was like, I'm going to come back and, and just see if anything's going on. And as I'm walking through, I see Sam. I was like, Hey Sam, is it cool if I introduce myself? I'm Garrett Gonzalez's son mm -hmm. and I was like hey, I'm gonna go see Ben he's like oh dude I've been meaning to go see him like let's go and so we went and then that's how I met Sam so Sam yeah, was cool. cool um I also met MT for like a like five seconds uh <laughs> Ben was like have you met MT and I was like I haven't and he was like all right let me go introduce you to him and I was like oh my god like that I, 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 I like I did the whole like too scared like that guy's a famous <laughs> person and I was just like hey MT uh I, I'm a big fan of Warriors plus minus and he's like oh so you're a Kawakami guy <laughs> <laughs> and then he just like walked away and I was like, all right, cool. And great to meet you. But uh, he was going to interview Chris Paul. So it was just probably not a great. Yeah, 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 totally. I forgot about uh, that. Yeah, no, I met some, I met some cool people. No, it was awesome. All right. Well, one more before we talk a little bit of warriors, cause this is really my favorite 
G League player. Guy Santos. We saw the very first Guy Santos game last year, and we were like, oh my gosh, like this guy is so talented. Now, the rest <laughs> of his summer league experience was a lot of turnovers and a lot of falling yeah. down. And I mean, he had a good year at Santa Cruz, but he, it's not like he shocked the world while, while playing for Santa Cruz, which reminds me, if he's in Santa Cruz again, we should probably go to a game or two. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, his game is definitely growing. He's not as out of control. He, he looks like he's handling the basketball a lot better. His shot, his outside shot, his three pointer looks a lot better. I think he was um, bragging about the fact that he was now 220 pounds. I uh, got the hair going. Uh, what did you think about Guy? And and this will be this will we'll relate this to uh, a later segment because at the very end of this podcast, I do want to look do a quick look at the current Warriors roster. It was a, it was an interesting Guy. It was it was a new Guy. Like the first game we watched, where he was essentially discovered the twenty seven points or thirty points, whatever he had in that attacking first everybody. Fight. It was on ball Guy. It was I'm doing everything Guy. And I, it seems like in in the G League they transitioned his role into being more what the Warriors would need, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. So when we go watch this gi, it was Brandon Pajemski setting him up for it was off ball gi. First yeah. gi we saw was on ball gi. This was off ball gi, and I thought that that was cool that you know he he pretty seamlessly transitioned into either role. Obviously on ball he's probably struggling a lot. You saw the turnovers, but man, that's what we, we first watched it. We said what Brazilian Luca? Brazilian that's what you called him. Yeah, Brazilian Luca, an on ball guy, an on ball big guy, on ball big point guard who just used his the 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 mass of his body to to you know get into the lane and and hit shots and. Um, off ball gi was fun though. You know, a guy who still has the passing instinct and passing ability, which is nice, but it was also just spotting up for three, um, and, and making timely cuts. So, um, I would bet like my bet is that if they do not, what are the warriors sitting at right now? 13 roster spots. They have, they have 13. So if they don't use that 14th spot and that's still vacant, they don't go after Rudy Gay or whatever the heck, you know, they might else be looking at. I think they'll give that to Lester. And then make Guy a two-way mm-hmm. would be my bet, but they could also just do Lester and Guy as the two ways. But but they, are think, are they going to add that fifteenth spot though? They didn't last year all the way. No, up. I don't think they will. I don't think they. I don't think they. Yeah, I don't think they will. So um, okay, we'll talk about that at the end of the show. But I did I did want to mention Guy because I did like seeing him play two two almost like two entirely different players from from the two years that we got. To we see li- we run the Guy fan club. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I am very much in, in into anything Guy Santos. I want it's just I just think he's such a, a raw athlete, and you want to see. It's kind of like uh, your favorite baseball team drafts a, a player. And you get to see that person in the minors for like three years, and they finally come up. That's kind of how I see Gee. All right, we're going to s- switch gears because the Draymond Green Jordan Poole soap opera has uh, has grown a little bit from the Jordan Poole side. We heard from his pops on Twitter and one of his buddies uh, on Instagram, and they are presenting the situation as if, uh, you know, Draymond was like big bro and something happened, which they will not, they, they themselves are not saying. And then Draymond turned on Jordan and, and that's kind of their story. And Draymond's story is that Jordan said something that changed the relationship and caused him to, to get physical with him. 
Um, and then I don't know if you heard also today, Monty Poole, uh, it was on 95.7 The Game. I didn't hear the clip. I only saw the little graphic yeah, the excerpt about Jonathan Kaminga and Draymond not being close. And so, you know, I don't know if that side, I don't know if the Jordan Poole side is the source of the Jonathan Kaminga. Wait, did you, uh, did you listen? So uh, when we went to the California classic and came back, we were listening to the Paul George pod with Draymond. Did yeah. you continue to finish that podcast? I didn't, did I didn't. Okay. So I did. And Draymond talked about, you know, he wishes he was more of a vet to JK. Interesting. Interesting. Huh? So yeah. I, I believe there's legitimacy in Monty Poole's report because I also like Monty. I think you, you wonder like, now here's where in the NBA, when you have shorter contracts and it is really kind of a player's league, you would think that, you know, Draymond gets to 30, 31, 32. He then sort of looks at himself as a mentor. But at the same time, if you look at yourself as a mentor, you are mentoring people who may take your job as you get older and then you kind of get pushed aside. So it's kind of a slippery slope with mentorship in the NBA with these short contracts. And I did, I did wonder that because you, you would think you'd go, okay, you know, Jonathan Kaminga is uh, very athletic, uh, but he could be a, a great like four next to Draymond as a five, like maybe Draymond wants to get the chemistry together with JK and help him get there so that, you know, he can sort of see things in JK. He could envision JK becoming somebody who he could play with, but that, but at the same time, it's like, you know, how much do you invest in that unless you're Steph? And even, even if you are Steph, it doesn't sound like Steph is this giant mentor to these young players. Like, it seems like he's a friendly guy and he likes them, but it's not. It, it doesn't hear, seem like it's his thing. Yeah, you don't hear stories about, you know, Steph's taking this guy under his wing or anything. Yeah. And so I just wonder, is that really Draymond's role? Is it his role to be a vet to these younger players? Like, is it was it Draymond's job to go, okay, I'm going to make sure that Wiseman, you know, gets all the chances in the world to succeed? Uh, is it his job to do the same with, with Kaminga? Uh, is that loony? Like th that's the piece of this that we don't understand because of how the, how the league works, but it does sound like, you know, now Draymond supposedly had this relationship with Jordan. Then it went to hell. Now Draymond's got this issue with Jonathan Kaminga. Supposedly. I, I, I don't even know, you know, I don't even know what to think outside of, you know, maybe mentorship is not is kind of not the not not the thing in, in the league because of that. Yeah, I think just like the the rule of thumb that I've heard is like it's kind of like the, you know, the you, you know, you had mentors, you had vets. So that's kind of your responsibility to pay it forward and, and do it once a year, you know, capable of being a vet. And, you know, Draymond talks about his vets when he came in the league, when him and HB came, it was like RJ. And he, took, he took all their jobs. They, they, took all the, were, not yeah. the, they were not True. on the team for very long. But didn't he, didn't Draymond have a thing where like he was given a vet and he's like, no, nah, I don't want that guy. I want this guy. I, yeah. I, I think that was a story. I think there was one player who maybe he already thought he was better than or something. Yeah. Something like that. But no, but I guess the point is that Draymond always talks about his vets. Like I hear it like once or twice a year about him talking about his vets and, and I'll just do it for the other guy. It's okay. not his job. You but talked you talk about, about you talked about that podcast, right? Who did he yeah. mention as a fantastic human being? David Lee. Whose yeah. job did Draymond take? <laughs> David Lee. 
So it's like, uh, it's crazy, right? I guess, yeah, it's difficult, but you know, I, someone needs to be a vet to those guys. And I think, I bet you remember, but I, I feel like when JK and Moody first got here, they were asked, you know, who's been like the person you've gotten closest to or who's been your vet? D Lee said Damien, or sorry, uh, Moses Moody said Damien Lee. And we were like, oh God, like, <laughs> not the guy we want you to get like tight with. I forgot who JK said, but yeah, it wasn't any of the big three. Um, but one of the big three needs to do it. And, you know, well, we kind of thought that, that we kind of thought that was going to be Andre last year. Right. Cause Andre, and Andre did he did on the sidelines. Him and JK are close. Him and Wiggins are close. Him and Poole were close. So oh, Iguodala did his job. Iguodala is all about like player brand player. Yeah. Uh, you know, power to the players. So yeah, he definitely was a vet to this. It's just weird. Yeah. None of the big three are. And you look at Steph, like, it's like, okay, if you don't want to be like, damn it. But at the same time, it's like, you've done so much. So it's one of either clay or Dre has to do it. And then you look at clay and you're like, Ooh, you don't really express emotion. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not going to do it. And yeah, clay will take Wiseman on a boat ride once every year, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, I guess it kind of did unfairly fall on Draymond. And I guess not like 100% like his fault, but damn, he sucks at it. Yeah. Like he's made things worse. Yeah. He hasn't made things better. That's the thing. At least just be like Stephen Clay and just keep it wash. Like don't be good. Don't be bad. But Draymond's just like been bad. And yeah, so you know, he, he's he's uh, he's probably pretty demanding, right? Uh, because if he look if you look at it from his perspective, Draymond himself is not the most talented player in the league. Draymond works hard and Draymond takes advantage uh from a psyche perspective of remember you know the whole <laughs> poor grant williams in, in that boston series uh draymond was just decided that grant williams and and jalen brown were the ones he was just gonna gonna be mean to um so yeah so you know i i would imagine he expects a lot out of out of teammates probably and the ones that the ones that he looks up to like steph and and to some i don't know if he looks up to clay but you know he he knows that clay is is going to help him win I'm sure Iguodala as well, but those who he probably deems are not helping or are weaker or whatever. Yeah. Probably not, probably not defend. And you know, you don't get the great part of, of, of Draymond that it seems like a lot of these guys do love about him. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the current roster. I'm going to name all of the, the folks who we know about, who we know and we believe are going to have the roster spots. I counted 13. Uh, Chris Paul, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, Kevon Looney, GP2, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, Brandon Pajemski, TJD, Dar uh, Dario Saric, and Corey Joseph makes 13. Mm -hmm. So that leaves one spot. And then if they keep that 15th spot open, only one spot, right? Because you know the the way that Lester, who I thought had a had a pretty darn good summer league, um, the way that Lester would make the team, you would have to add a fifteenth player. As a I think they could two way him, no. And no, then so two ways, two ways, and then it wouldn't count. count. Yeah, two ways don't count as as roster spots. Okay, so but they couldn't. And I think two you way, get three two way. You get three two ways now. I think that's an updated thing in the CBA. But can you add? all three to your bench giving you like 17 players. Yeah, I believe you can. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. That that is really interesting. And I believe another change as well. Don't quote me on this, but I believe you know how when two-way guys would suit up, um they it would count against a game. Yeah. 
oh man, this doesn't sound right now that I think about it and say it out loud, but I believe that you can suit up and as long as they don't play, it doesn't go against their game counter. Interesting. Um, no, that, I mean, that that makes sense. That that would make sense because, uh, you know, you see, see street, uh, street clothes tied Jerome a lot last year in his baggy yeah. sweatshirts and, and stuff. And he probably deserved to be activated more. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's interesting. So do you think, you know, you, you had a couple of guys on your mind as far as who could be the 14th guy, and one of them did get waived. He got released, Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay's been in the NBA for a very, very long time. He would, I think, he would be the tallest player on the team, I think, if they did pick him up. Uh, no, Rudy's like what? Like, 6'10". Rudy's not 6'10", is he? I think he's like 6'8". Uh, let's see. How tall is Rudy? Oh yeah, he is. He's six eight, two fifty. Okay, big guy. <laughs> yeah, he's a big dude. And uh, last year, he did not shoot well from three. He only shot twenty five percent. He's like he's like not even good anymore. But he did shoot eighty six percent from the free throw line. Oh, uh, and hi- historically. From three point land, he is a thirty five percent three point shooter, and you you can go back as far as two years ago. Uh, he shot thirty eight percent for the Spurs from three on uh, four and a half attempts. Uh, you go back to twenty eighteen twenty nineteen, he shot forty, but with with less attempts playing for the Spurs. So you know, not a um. Not 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 a sharpshooter in, in any way. Uh, never really took a ton of threes either. The most threes he's ever taken in, in in a in a game per game is that four and almost four and a half. So you know he's not gonna he's not gonna be auto, but he does have the length and the size to defensively of auto, be auto. Where defensively you may be able to play him against Draymond. Uh, but yeah, you know he 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 his rookie year was two thousand and six two thousand and seven. <laughs> So you're yeah. talking about a dude who, you know, he is he is 17 years of experience in the NBA right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, what's the theme that Steph and Draymond keep pounding uh, into this offseason? Steph keeps saying maturity and Draymond keeps saying adults. So that's who's going to be added to the 13th spot um, or the 14th spot is going to be a mature adult. <laughs> uh, but, and, and Rudy fits that. And Rudy also fits, you know, a guy they've been going after for the past few years. They've been, I mean, not, maybe not past few, but for a while, like they, apparently they've always wanted Rudy gay. Um, so that might hold a little more weight. Uh, I don't know. I did this song and I did the song and dance with Jermichael green saying, look, if you look historically, he's been a great three point shooter, but if you look at just <laughs> last year, he was bad. So maybe that, let's just not look at last year. Well, Rudy, um, Rudy's best years were, Right up to um, Memphis. He was Memphis, right? Yeah. His best, years. Uh, his best years were right as the Warriors were getting good. Yeah. He was a you know twenty points, twenty point scorer. Um, yeah, he was awesome. Yeah, know, five rebounds or no? Seven I just remember him. I remember Rudy Gay playing like the old old two Ks and just being able to like dunk on everyone. Him <laughs> and like Jared Bayless, I was for some reason just always able to dunk on everyone. So that's kind of how I was introduced to Rudy Gay. Um, but. Yeah, no, I think I think he fits what what they're looking for in a lot of ways. Maybe just except for like shooting and the need for a rim protector and the need for someone who's going to get to the get to the hole and get to the line. Like 
really their main necessities, except for he's a mature adult. So we will see. I don't think he's the answer, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they signed him. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to look and see if there's any sort of defensive stats that that I can find for him that uh, I bet know, he's solid. Give us any information. Savvy. Yeah, he's, he's probably, uh, you know, he, he's probably not obviously not the the athleticism that he once had. So that that would be a thing. And you always worry with these older guys about injuries and such. Uh, and then, you know, for every auto porter who's going to help you win an NBA finals, there are one or two Jamichael Greens who just don't play very well at all and never really get into the groove. And it just makes you think that it probably is kind of hard to play on this team, right? So you kind yeah. of have to, this is why they're talking about adults and, and older players, because it's like, yeah, you have to have kind of like a, a quick learning curve to do it. So yeah, I want them to get someone in Wiggins age range because you know, they, especially after adding Chris Paul, like they, and they took away Jordan Poole, who was all 82 and they added Chris Paul, who's like barely gets you 60 games in the regular season. They need to add someone who's going to play in the regular season and you can count on for 75 games. Um, that needs to be replaced because uh, Jordan was that. And that's why we were able to sustain a six seed is because this guy was able to be our lead ball handler and play 82 games. Um, so they need to replace. I think my needs were like rim protector, guy who gets to the hole, guy who gets to the free throw line, guy who could play all 82. Like, I think that's that was my only and that's kind of a lot of needs. But drafting I don't know if, Pajemski, I don't know if that guy's going to be uh, available for three million or whatever, though. Yeah, probably not. But I mean, they drafted Pajemski and they got CP. Um, both CP is going to get to the line. Um, CP is a guy who you can depend on in the playoffs too, which I guess is just a, a need I didn't say, but they needed. So, um, and I guess, I guess the, the pushback on CP is that he's actually not a guy you could depend on in the playoffs, but that's mainly because they're in injury. Um, so if they're betting on being able to keep him healthy in the playoffs and we'll see, uh, Pajemski, a guy who could dribble past shoot. Um, I feel like he fits the warrior system. So you know, ideally he'll be able to get to the line. He'll be able to play all 82. So that's some of the boxes, but you have to also depend that he gets in the rotation and he cracks the rotation. You know, it's, it's definitely like, I feel like a lot of people are just like genuinely confused about the Warriors offseason. And I feel like the easy thing to say is that it sucked because we can't envision, <laughs> we can't envision what Chris Paul looks like with these guys. Um, but I do believe that putting smart basketball players together, they'll figure it out. And I think Chris Paul is one of the smartest basketball players to ever touch a basketball. So every team he goes to gets better. I think we've already said this, but you look at the Thunder who were projected, like what's that always, they always show that graphic of like the OKC Thunder are 0.035% chance to make the playoffs. And they made the playoffs when they added CP. He just makes teams better. Phoenix who had a playoff drought, Chris Paul goes there. They make the playoffs. Um, he's just a guy who's historically always made the team he goes to better. And I don't see why that would start now. And it makes sense for the Wizards to offload him because they knew that. They were like, we want to be bad. And there's here's a guy who's just going to like somehow sneak us into the playoffs. My, um, I wonder if there's a team that has had a higher injury risk factor for their best players than, than the Warriors. Steph, we know Steph. You know Steph's going to tweak an ankle, tweak a knee. 65 max for Steph. Yeah. And CP is going to hurt his hamstring and... You know, he'll, he'll play maybe a couple games less than that. And, you know, Clay is coming off of uh, a year in which his athleticism, you know, went kind of not down the tubes, but it, it just it just lessened. You know, Draymond played so much because we thought 
with that calf injury that exposed the back injury from last year, we're like, okay, well, they, they may have to be a little bit more, a little bit more precious with him, but then he's just constantly playing center all game long. So mm. I, I, you know, the, that, that is my worry is with, uh, with the injury. Sarich got hurt last year too. They, they just have a high risk of, of injury factor for some of their older players. And you lose one of them is, Alester Quinone is on a two-way going to help if Chris Paul or Steph goes down. And then all of a sudden you're playing Corey Joseph and Pajemski and Lester Quinones and Clay, and that's your backcourt. Like, you know, the 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 level of you know, wow, this the, the these this roster goes from high level talent, high IQ to all of a sudden these young players are playing. It's kind of like it could go really quick. So I don't know what the Rick Celebrini he's going to be the most valuable player or most valuable person inside that that organization to keep all yeah. these dudes healthy. That's a tough tough job. Yep. Uh you're right. All right. Uh that is it. We will be back. We we won't be back uh longer than uh the, than last time for sure. Hopefully we'll we'll just keep going on our sort of week by week but we'll see hopefully there's news yeah if there's not news then maybe we do push or maybe we do some other stuff like i i want to um and for instance we didn't have a thompson and clark this week because brad's on vacation and plus we're coming out of the all-star break and and so we'll, we'll push that to next week but um but yeah so we'll, we'll see and i what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to do some interview stuff with people who uh who I may have worked with in the past and, and, and stuff. So, so there may be even an interview series with me and some other people coming up soon, at least if I can get the first one going. So just cross your fingers. I think people uh, who listen to this feed would, would definitely enjoy the, the person I'm trying to get a hold of. So I don't want to jinx it, but uh, all right. For Bri, I am double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out. When you drive the most dependable mass market brand, you can stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see yourself behind the wheel of the number one most dependable mass market brand three years in a row by J.D. Power. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Kia received the fewest reported problems among mass market brands in the J.D. Power 2021 to 2023 U.S. Vehicle Dependability Studies. 2023 study based on 2020 models. See jdpower.com slash awards for 2023 details. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.